Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live the First Amendment and Free Speech Podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Today I read the case Trevino v. Espinoza, 718-SW-2D-848, Texas Court of Appeals, 13th District, 1986. Friends, we have a moral dilemma for you to consider today. I want to know what you think about this case. Most of these cases, I know where I stand right away, given the mission we're on. So I want you to ponder this. Although the case is Trevino versus Espinoza, they do have other individuals versus Rosa Espinoza, such as Cruz Gonzalez Jr., Ricardo Vasquez, and Rolando D'Aleandro. So what happened in this case? It was a defamation case, a libel case, about the following. It says, quote, There have been a lot of inquiries as to the whereabouts of the now famous Pelagrosa's pictures due to the XXX nature of the material. They have been classified as top secret. They will only be used in case of a community emergency. Let's all keep a cool head. The evidence reveals that the pictures referred to an article to in the article are simply photographs of people socializing at a political fundraiser barbecue which Apelli happened to attend. Several witnesses testified that they interpreted XXX to refer to pornographic material, though there was nothing pornographic about the photographs involved. Apelli was also referred to in the newsletter as Rose Pelagrosa, meaning Rosa the Dangerous. Apelli was also characterized as an active wife who used the business phone where she worked for many interesting reasons without her husband's knowledge. Emphasis in the original. A group of people gathered at Ricardo Vasquez's home one evening to compose a newsletter to help Israel Trevino in his campaign for Robstown City Council. The newsletter, Realidades, was essentially composed that evening and approximately 2,000 copies were distributed house to house to the Rob's town community. Originally, Apelli asserted a cause of action against 17 individual defendants, but at trial, Apelli proceeded against only five defendants. Four of the defendants were adjudged liable and bring this appeal. In answer to special issue number one, the jury determined that the publication tended to impeach the honesty, integrity, virtue, and reputation of Rose Espinoza. In addition to special issue number two, they found that each of the appellants had composed, created, distributed, circulated, circulated, delivered, or printed the publication in response to the other special issues, awarded a penalty total of $200,000 actual damages and $100,000 exemplary damages. The court ordered that the appellee received a total of 30000 from Israel Trevino, 120000 from Cruz Gonzalez Jr., 90000 from Ricardo Vasquez, 60000 from Rolando Alejandro, and that all appellants paid the cost of court. End quote. What do you think about that? That's a lot that happened here. It does remind me of the movie the People versus Flint. People versus Larry Flint. One of my favorite movies.
this case went differently because in that case, it wasn't a matter of Jerry Falwell getting what he wanted. But here, Rose Pellegrosa, I'm sorry, not Rose Pellegrosa, Rose Espinoza did get what she wanted. It was liable, but in Flint's case, it was not liable. This presents a moral dilemma for me because I've written a genre which people call real person fiction. I did not intend for the stuff to be considered true and most people who would read it would know it wouldn't be true. So I'm not sure the difference here. Maybe because there was no art involved in the sense that it wasn't a fiction story. I'm not sure why they automatically concluded this was intentional. Maybe because it's used as part of a political campaign. I'm not sure why this would be different than our things. In Flint versus in that movie there was a scene where Jerry Falwell was cross-examined and they asked him if people would have thought it was true what happened there. And he said, no, of course people wouldn't have thought it was true. And that's the case in my book. But maybe because this was more realistic, more believable, it wasn't so outrageous as in my case it was the books I wrote were something you wouldn't believe. It was fiction, even though it was involving real people as a genre real person fiction goes. So maybe if they would have wrote a real person fiction rather than this here, they could have won their trial. It's possible I could lose, but I hope not. I am on solid legal ground. So we can go forward. Now for the $300,000, we got to plug that in for inflation. So I entered that into the Bureau of Labor Statistics CPI inflation calculator. $300,000 back then adjusted to today's dollars would be 704000 Seventeen, $704,717.14. So not too far from a million. Do you think that is a reasonable fee? Most of the time we're evaluating the fines for criminal cases here on this podcast. And we conclude... The fines are too outrageous, no matter what they are. If it's $100, it's too much. The appellants did not take it lying down. So they argued various points in this trial, trying to overturn it on different procedural issues. But... The Court of Appeals found none of it persuasive, as they ultimately concluded the following, quote, The judgment of the trial court 
is affirmed. End quote. So it looks like they had to pay. What do you think about this? How do you feel about the moral dilemma that it raises? As a writer of real person fiction, I believe it's a valid genre. Certainly a controversial genre, as everyone likes to point out, but valid nevertheless. I don't support libel because it's not right. It's a fine line, my friends, a fine line between real person fiction and outright libel. Did our appellants here cross that line? What do you think? How will you advance the First Amendment, freedom of speech, and third parties today? Long live the First Amendment and free speech. Goodbye.